Jesus, God's King, the Savior for all people, is born. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. Bramwell, thank you for reading for us. Thank you to all involved in our gathering at this morning. And uh, please do make sure you've got sight of the reading we've just had, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. You'll uh, find it in the gospel uh, on your seat, page 8, I think, as we uh, look at God's word together. Will they, won't they? Will they, won't they? Not the latest plot twist on EastEnders, uh, but the government making up their minds on the latest Christmas COVID rules. Uh, Who are we allowed to see and for how long? Uh, Can we hug our grandparents or do you only do that if you really hate them? Uh, It's all a little tricky, isn't it? In fact, it's all a little depressing. Uh, We want certainty, don't we? We want confidence, but we also want safety. Uh, We want a rescue. We want a certain hope. And we want a leader we can trust, someone we can confidently follow. Now, we may not have picked up on it, but in the reading we've just had, we are promised all those things. We're promised confidence in the face of uncertainty, a leader we can stake our life on, and a rescue when all hope is gone. But how is Christmas any of those things we ask. Uh, We know the routine, don't we? It's the year 1 AD, and on the evening of December the 25th, the snow's gently falling. Uh, Mary, dressed all in blue, lit by the twinkling star, rides into Bethlehem on the donkey, urgently needing to deliver her baby. Although it's an emergency, all the innkeepers gruffly turn Mary and Joseph away. Uh, So painlessly, they deliver baby Jesus in a stable, surrounded by every conceivable farm animal. Angels sing to the shepherds, and afterwards, they're all joined by three kings on their camels. Except most of that isn't what the Bible says. At nowhere are we told the wise men are kings. We're not told how many there are. Almost certainly it's not December the 25th. And perhaps as we listen to our reading just now, we notice there's no donkey, no snow, no innkeeper, not even a stable, which I know does make it harder to give parts to all the children in the nativity. But what does the Bible actually say? And crucially, why does it even record the birth of a baby in a political backquarter over 2,000 years ago. Well, we're going to spend a few minutes now looking at these words, which I hope are still in front of us, 
Now, they're written by a chap called Luke. He's one of Jesus' first followers, and he tells us why he's writing this down. At the beginning of his account, he says this, It seems good to me, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. Uh, Lots of people are having a stripped back, back to basics Christmas this year, and we're just going back a little further, back to what actually happened that first Christmas and why it's so momentous. And there are three big things highlighted here. Jesus Christ's birth is real, it's royal, and it's a rescue. So first up, Jesus' birth is real. That is, it's historical. It actually happened. I don't know if I should admit it publicly, but my wife is partial to a Netflix film or two, and there is a deluge of Christmas movies available at the moment. Uh, Maybe everyone right now just wants to escape into a Hallmark flick, but it could be a little confusing trying to work out from all those films what is Christmas really about. Is it about finding your perfect Christmas prince? or making sure Santa delivers his presents on time with the help of some uh, children in tow. As someone put it, is it all about the wise men following the star to the North Pole to find the little baby nutcracker? But here we see Jesus' birth is real. Just look again at what verse 1 says. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Caesar Augustus is the first Roman emperor, and he rules from 31 BC through to 14 AD. He's famous for kicking off the Pax Romana, and he has a long and relatively peaceful reign. And as it turns out, he's also rather partial to a census or two. So here he is wanting to make a show of how great he is by issuing this decree for a census. But we also get mention of this chap Quirinius, who's been the scourge of everyone doing Christmas readings down the ages. There's some debate as to exactly what year this is referring to, but it's likely 5 or 6 BC. Now, the history books tell us Quirinius has a censor in 6 AD, which incidentally Luke's aware of and mentions later on in his second volume. Uh, So it could be that this uh, census took a while to get sorted and only finished when Quirinius was governor, or it could be he did a couple of stints as a governor and a couple of registrations. Either way, what we're being told is this is real, reliable history. Uh, If you're worried about it not being uh, 1 AD, uh, don't be. You can blame a 6th century monk named Dionysius for getting a little mixed up. Uh, Back when we were allowed to have people over for meals, do you remember those days? Uh, I remember one Sunday lunch, a chap telling us uh, when he was younger, he'd spent some time traveling in India. And while he was there, he had his Catholic upbringing completely rocked. He he realizes that if uh, these millions, even billions of Hindus, worshipping their variety of gods are right, then Christianity cannot be true. It's a helpful comment. Uh, We spent a bit of time chatting about how most world religions are based on myth or legend or secret words revealed to someone that no one can verify. But Christianity is historical. It's real. Uh, So Muhammad claims to have been visited by the archangel Gabriel and given the word of God, but there is no way to confirm it. 
Sikhism is based on the teachings of Guru Nanak, who claimed to have a powerful spiritual experience, giving him a vision of the true nature of God. But again, how do we know? Uh, Taoism comes from ancient Chinese philosophies, but who's to say they're right and others are wrong? And then there is Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection, which are real events that actually happened at a specific point in history. Luke wants us to put our skepticism to one side, or rather he wants to deal with our doubts. Just as Caesar Augustus and Quirinius definitely existed, so Jesus' birth is real. We dare not doubt it. The good news of Jesus Christ is of an entirely different order to myth and fable, Hansel and Gretel, Robin Hood, King Arthur. It's also entirely different to any other religion not grounded in history. Now, this is reliable eyewitness testimony. Luke's Luke's carefully researched and recorded his account so we can have confidence in what he says. Christmas is about rock-solid hope because it's real. If we're unsure about Christianity, then Luke wants us to have complete confidence in the events of Jesus' birth, his life, and his death and resurrection. They can be believed. They must be believed. So we've seen when Jesus is born. And next we turn to where he's born. And Luke's point is it's a royal birth. That's our second highlight. Jesus' birth is royal. He is God's king come to rule. I came across an article the other day listing the best Christmas cracker jokes of 2020. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, Which Christmas film was 30 years ahead of its time? Home Alone, we must have heard that one. Uh, How's the pandemic like my stomach after Christmas? It'll take ages to flatten the curve. Or perhaps my favourite non-COVID gag, what is the best Christmas present in the world? A broken drum. You just can't beat it. There is one thing, though, we can't joke about, and that is who Jesus is. He is a baby unlike any other. Uh, Maybe you spotted the focus on King David in verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And we begin to see history is really his story. That is, God's bringing about all these things to pass. God uses this imperial census to make sure Jesus is born in exactly the right place. And that place is Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem wasn't a bustling metropolis or a a center of any particular cultural significance. It didn't have much going for it, except it's the town where King David was born and anointed. And so the expectation was another king would come from this town to rule God's people. So God made this promise to King David. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Or later on in the Old Testament, in Micah 5, we read this, But you, O Bethlehem of Raphah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. 
And so by the time we get to the end of the Old Testament, we see God's forever king will rule over all nations for all time. And we learn about a king who will be given dominion, glory, and power over all peoples, all nations, all languages will serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And so with the tension uh, ratcheted up, Uh, Luke says, here is someone descended from David's line, the line of the kings, about to be born in the king's city. I love uh, reading through Lord of the Rings. I read it to each one of my children. And one of the reasons I love it is this growing sense of expectation as we begin to realize who Strider or Aragorn is. I hope I'm not ruining the plot for you. Uh, All around him, people have no idea who he is, but slowly it begins to dawn on them. And it's a bit like that here. Caesar thinks he's showing how great he is by counting all the world. He's the king. But in reality, God's showing how great he is by sending the true king as a tiny baby. But this baby is a king. He is the king. Caesar's registering everyone in the entire known world. God sends his king to rule over the entire world forever. COVID reminds us we're not in control. Cruelly, we're often reminded we have no ultimate power to change things. But here we see complete divine control. God brings about this birth exactly when and where he wants. Isn't there a danger at Christmas we just belittle Jesus? Some of us will have got out the nativity scene already and put it up somewhere around the home. I don't know how you store yours, but we can picture unwrapping the little baby Jesus maybe in his cotton wool or bubble wrap. And then sometime in January, probably later than we intend, we we wrap him up again for another year. And isn't that how lots of us treat him? Uh, Just getting him out once or twice a year at our convenience. But here's the life-changing news of Christmas. Jesus is the king, God's appointed forever king. He's the one with every right in the world to tell you and me how we should live our lives. But perhaps we don't like that. And it's why our third theme this morning is so vital. Jesus' birth is a rescue. Here we focus on the manner of his birth, a humble birth. We've seen when Jesus was born, where he was born, and now Luke highlights why. Verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I remember once chatting with a couple about the uh, age at which children begin to walk and talk and so on. And it turns out that one of their kids was born around the same uh, time as Prince George. And so the husband complains to the wife every time little George, Prince George, starts walking, but their little boy's still months off. Or uh, the prince talks, but their son's still gurgling, and the dad kept on comparing uh, with the royals. And can we see what a contrast the birth of this king is? I think all of William and Kate's children were born in the St. Mary's Hospital in London. Uh, No expense spared. Thousands of pounds a night, they got the best doctors, the best care, and when the baby arrives, an army of paparazzi there uh, for the announcement. 
God could have had Jesus born anywhere. So why here? Why a manger? I mean, who here would put a newborn baby in their dog basket? Uh, We used to live in London, and when it came to the birth of our firstborn, uh, Claire and I had the choice between a brand-new, state-of-the-art birthing centre, all on the NHS, or a run-down death trap of a hospital, understaffed, uh, under-resourced, under-equipped. It's a no-brainer, of course, we went with the birthing centre. So why would God choose for his forever king to have a humble birth, an unsanitised birth? Perhaps we can picture the grim nativity Maybe manure, rats, blood, Luke doesn't tell us. Only Joseph there to help with the birth. We do know there's no no guest room available, so Jesus arrives probably along with the family animals brought in for the night. Well, the humility of Jesus' birth shows us he's a servant. He's one who's come to die. This Christmas, John Lewis says, Give a little love. But the true Bible story says God has displayed infinite, unlimited love in the person of Jesus Christ. At Christmas, we can barely avoid sentimentality. Can you name me just one Christmas film that doesn't have at least a smattering of it? We mustn't sentimentalize Jesus, though. His birth came at a particular point in history. It was a looked forward to a royal birth, but it was also a looking forward birth. It anticipates the great sacrifice of Jesus' crucifixion. He was born to die. He was always meant to go from the poverty of the crib to the pain of the cross. Here is God entering into his creation on a rescue mission. Like a soldier putting on the outfit of a foreign nation so he can blend in and break in to rescue captive prisoners. Except Jesus isn't God pretending to be human. No, he humbles himself to become fully human to rescue us. When the creator of the universe enters his world, this is how he arrives. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Bible looked forward to one who would be humble and held in low esteem, one who takes up our pain and bears our suffering. None of us like the idea of someone telling us what to do, do we? And none of us need to teach our kids to say no to us. The problem is we have that attitude towards God. Like someone who receives a present, but then not only doesn't say thanks, but they trash talk the person who gave it to them. Jesus is the king, but we don't want him to be king. We don't want him to be our king to tell me what to do. And so we deserve God's anger. Our problem isn't mistakes we make, but rejecting God and facing his wrath. But the reason Christmas brings such hope is Jesus, the King of Kings, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. It might just be there are some listening this morning who know they've fallen woefully short of God's perfect law. We're failing to live as we want. We can't keep our own standards, let alone God's. 
We don't deserve to be accepted by God. And yet, and yet here is why Christmas is such great news. Here is why it brings hope. Jesus' birth is a rescue. He came to free us by forgiving our sins, by dying on the cross. Our rebellion against God, his anger dealt with, taken away by Jesus in our place. And what is staggering here in Luke 2 is that is exactly what he came to do. Christmas is real. It is royal. It's a rescue. It gives us confidence in the face of uncertainty. A leader we can stake our life, our eternity on, and a rescue when all hope is gone. Jesus truly is God's forever king who came to die. And so he's worthy of our all. We must come to him, submit to him as our king, and trust him as our savior. And the wonderful news is we still can. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. The question remains, will we? Will we come to Jesus and trust him? Please don't delay. It is urgent. If we turn to Jesus, there is certain hope. Christmas is real. It's royal. It's a rescue. In short, it is far better than we could ever dream. So as we close, I'm going to say a short prayer. And if you've come to realize Jesus is who he claims to be, can I encourage you to echo it in your heart? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth that first Christmas. Thank you that even though he is your forever king, he was born to die, to rescue us from your anger at our rebellion against you. Please save me, not because I deserve it, but because Jesus came to save people like me. And please help me to live with him as my king in every area of my life. Amen.